Worcester Culture Watch, a podcast connecting you with the local culture scene in Worcester, arts, entertainment, music, and more. Worcester Culture Watch from the Worcester Telegram and Gazette. Hello, and you are listening to Worcester Culture Watch on Telegram.com and WorcesterMag.com and Unity Radio 97.9 FM in Worcester. And I do mean only in Worcester. You will not receive Unity Radio in 97.9 in Holden. It does not happen. I did get it once in Shrewsbury. Oh. No. <laughs> I can get it from the Whole Foods parking lot. That's about as far as I go. It, anyway. re- it, it really isn't. It's not bad, you know. But no, there it is getting better. There is there is hopes that soon you'll be reached in maybe West Boylston. Oh wow, that would be awesome. I think that would be rad. They'd love it when I rag on them. So. I'm sure. I'm sure they do. I am in the studio today with Sarah Connell Sanders. Yeah. I'm still getting used to that. I was all worried about being compared to the former press secretary, Sarah Sanders, and now I realize that I'm like Colonel Sanders from <laughs> Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> I have heard one person make that joke yeah. to this day. My name is Victor Infante. I'm the entertainment editor for the Worcester Telegram and Gazette and the content editor for Worcester Magazine and a guy who does something for like three other papers, I'm sure. <laughs> I honestly don't know. Sometimes I look at things and my name appears in them. I don't know. That's weird. Anyway. This is life in a corporate mo- <laughs> corporate monstrosity. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. It's all good. You're it's- starting to sound like Bill Shaner over there. <laughs> this is what happens when you share a sh- podcast with Bill Shaner. You get grumpy. No, it's funny. I, I, I've actually worked in media a long time. Like, a long time. Like, m- many people I work with weren't actually born <laughs> when I started. Oh, my God. Or they were in grade school, like I think some people. Well, you're keeping up, man. But, yeah. But, yeah. It's like, it's you know, it's like at the end of the day, just get the story out. <laughs> let them on. Let everything else take care of itself. I'm brought dragged you into the studio today not to complain about the state of modern journalism, but to talk about the future of modern journalism, which I think might actually be podcasting. It's huge. And right now there was a major report that just came out. It was the Infinite Dials 2019 Edison Research. And it's the most up-to-date you know, information. They said 750,000 podcasts are active right now. And that number is growing. Listenership is growing. I had to double check that number when I saw it. I, I like Googled it. Just like, I'm like, oh, does she mean 75,000? No. Yeah. It seems like <laughs> That's a everyone lot. has a podcast. Yeah. And then I started kind of going down my friend Facebook list and I think, yeah, actually everybody <laughs> does. Have. I mean, but let's be honest. Most people are putting out like maybe three episodes and then yeah. they're done. <laughs> well, that's it. Consistency is key. And they say that the most successful podcasts, you pick a day, your podcast can be expected at the same time on that day yep. every single week. And so my friend Molly O'Connor and I, who have started a podcast together, we really try to live by that we're doing Wednesdays, 6 a.m. every other week. And we've been pretty good. Let's take a second. Let's step back here a bit. And why don't you tell us a little bit about Poppet? Yeah. Well, we started in part because we realized there are not a lot of women's voices on talk radio in Worcester. Right. So the major stations, one of them doesn't have any women's voices. Um, the other one has five shows hosted by women, 22 hosted by men. But the women's shows are mostly 30 minutes and they play once a week. So the airtime is very small as compared to shows that play every day for two or three hours. Yeah. Um, and that bothered me. It was troublesome. And I said, if 
I'm not going to solve this problem. Who is? So we started to work through Unity Radio, which was a wonderful community experience. But the more um, guests we had coming in and the more interest we had and also given our school teacher jobs during the day. Yeah. We decided we had to become self-sufficient, and so we turned it into a podcast. Well, that's another, that's a great, and I'm a big fan of the podcast. Thank I've listened you. to many, many episodes of it. Um, I, I, though I've been a, a little out of touch, are you okay after the Rosie O'Donnell relationship ended? <laughs> oh, my God. It was so tragic. <laughs> yes, we started keeping tabs on Rosie O'Donnell and our favorite local cop, Elizabeth Rooney, because they had become engaged, but they recently announced an amicable split. Ah, oh, so tragic. So <laughs> tragic. So in today's column in Worcester Magazine, you have five tips for starting your own podcast. Now, there are this show... As people who have been listening for the past few minutes have already figured out, is famously shoddy. <laughs> I, I, I have been doing this for a few years now, and I still have no idea what I'm doing here. So I am desperately in favor of tips for the podcast. Well, I am by no means an expert either, but people are coming to me a lot. And I think part of it is the first reason that we, or the first tip I have here on this list. It says visuals are important to a podcast success. Sure. We started building a social media presence early. Mm -hmm. So we were launching the podcast in July of 2018. And at the beginning of the month, we put out an Instagram. We started to gain a following. My co-host is tremendous when it comes to social media engagement. We hooked up with a local photographer, Justin Hall, and a local consignment shop and had them style a photo shoot. We took all these pictures and we put them all over the internet. Yeah. And people thought, these look professional. They must be professionals. And that's exactly what we wanted them to think. There you go. And that's actually a really, I mean, it's a good point because in this business, perception is a lot of everything. Mm -hmm. It's you know, true. You know, I, you know, I will have people, people will say in journalism, why don't you cover X, Y, and Z? And I'll be like, we did. Yeah. <laughs> and it, but if they're not perceiving that we've done that, then we haven't. Absolutely. <laughs> and the flip side of that is I constantly suffer from imposter syndrome. I think most oh, people do. I, I do too. And I go, I have a, I'm not a, I have a crippling case of imposter <laughs> syndrome. I, I live in fear that someday everybody is going to figure out what a fraud I am. I'm curious. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I'm not a writer. I'm not a podcaster. And then at some point, you've got 60 episodes under your belt and you're like, I am a podcaster. I am. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's like I felt really self conscious about that. And like just you know, it can get kind of crippling sometimes. And mm -hmm. I I heard novelist Neil Gaiman, who's a New York Times bestseller, talk about his own <laughs> imposter syndrome. And I'm like, okay, maybe this isn't so bad. I think actually. it's universal, yeah. But so to look professional was an important part of making an impression. Be consistent. Mm -hmm. Come out with your episodes on a regular schedule, and then tease people with content or have a professional photo to go along with it. So we started just doing selfies. And then from there, a local photographer approached us and said, you know, I love doing work in the community. I like that you're trying to elevate women's voices. I'd be happy to show up at one of your shows. Um, his name is Mike Hendrickson, mm -hmm. super talented wedding I've, I've photographer. I've met Mike Hendrickson. He's a very nice man, very yeah. good very good photographer. He goes by Unity Mike. And he yep. does. He pr predominantly does weddings and engagement shoots. So this for him just became a little side project. Um, and we've kept kept it going. He's so consistent. Uh, he provides beautiful images and he's making connections in the process. So it's not a bad idea to hook up with a local photographer and say, hey, we have a high profile guest coming in. You have an opportunity to work with them. And then perhaps it'll turn into more work for you. 
Yeah, what do you feel like? Now, I, this is a trend I've never been quite sure how I feel like. Um, my 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 friends slash arch nemeses at 508 <laughs> show about yeah. Worcester do it sometimes. Where they'll, they'll video podcast, where they're podcasting like you and I are doing, but there's also a video going. So I, I kind of go back and forth on it. I met up with the two gentlemen who host the Maura Murray podcast, mm-hmm. and they have had ridiculous success. They yeah. have like 30,000 direct downloads every episode they post. They're amazing. But they tape out of Worcester because one's from Western Mass and one's from Boston. And I asked them for some tips, you know, how did you guys become so successful? Um, and they said you should be putting all your content on YouTube. It's not something I'm doing yet, but they said their audience on YouTube is substantially separate from their audience on iTunes or Spotify. Weird. Mm-hmm. Weird. I don't even know how I feel about that. I just, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Do this. We're going to put this out to our listeners slash readers of Telegram and Gazette and Worcester Magazine. Do you really want to look at me and Bill Shaner talking to each other? <laughs> Let us know. If you really want me and Bill Shaner talking to each other, like in video in front of you, please, by all means, let us know. If this is a thing enough people want, we will make it happen. So The reason the photos also became powerful for us was we were trying to focus on some marginalized voices. And mm-hmm. so Mike is able to provide professional headshots to the women that we interview. And they walk away with something they can use in their professional careers. Well, that's excellent. That's mm-hmm. really, really excellent. So what... What we got, you you go from that, you go into something kind of more technical advice right there. And this yeah. is actually something I don't have to worry about because of the telegram, but... I know, you've got a nice studio going on here. Yeah, I guess it is nicer than I give it credit for sometimes, don't I? <laughs> well, like yourself, I, I assume, are you a musician or you just write about music? I just write about music, it's my subject. But, but I bet you have a big network of musician friends. i rather know most of them. <laughs> so I reached out to John Tonelli, who's a local musician, mm-hmm. and asked him for some help. Um, the equipment that he recommended was very expensive, but he was able to work within my budget and make some recommendations. So I suggest that. Reach out to someone you know who's in a band. <laughs> That's um, actually good advice. We ended up with Yeti microphones on Black Friday. You can get them for pretty cheap. And we partnered with a local media company who hooked us up with some really serious software. It's called Hindenburg Journalism Pro. And I have not even begun to tap into its power yet. Hmm. I started on GarageBand, which I love, but you can only have one microphone on GarageBand. Hmm. So it makes it difficult to have high-quality audio from multiple speakers. Yeah, and what I know sometimes people have asked what we do this on, and they assume since you know we're you know this is the biggest media conglomeration in all of central Massachusetts and uh, whatever, um, you know. But I work for a big company, here. yeah, you know, both, both these papers are owned by a big company. Um, we're working on Adobe, Adobe Audition, mm-hmm. this is a fairly common podcasting program. I've got four channels. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I'm working with here. It's it's actually not all that, and it sounds pretty good. I mean, I don't sound good. <laughs> no, <laughs> Richard Gu- Richard Duckett sounds good. You I don't sound, sound great. good. Well, I can't tell the difference, and my ears are just not fine tuned enough to tell the difference really between GarageBand and this Hindenburg program that we got. But it was a wonderful um, reach from a media company that had partnered with us in exchange for advertising. So if you can find someone local who likes what you're doing and will give you some equipment in exchange for advertising, like we were just doing it as a hobby and I didn't even know how to ask for money. So it was a nice barter. 
Excellent. Well, and barter, I think, in a lot of ways. <laughs> we, we're, we have returned to a semi-barter economy. Because mm-hmm. I remember back, back uh, dating myself here, <laughs> I remember back in the punk rock days when the, there was an underground barter economy for amongst all of the arts and the <laughs> punks and everything. And, you know, you would trade, hey, I'll fix this for you if you'll print my zine. Right. That's yeah. exactly it. Well, and this is still very much a hobby for us. So. Yeah. and But we've kind of come back around to that, yeah. where I think. And that's probably a statement on something, or I'm just getting old and seeing everything <laughs> again for the second time. Um, you you mentioned in here, you will need a hosting service. Yeah, I use Libsyn, which I really like. You can use free ones online, but they won't schedule your content and they mm-hmm. won't necessarily store it permanently. Yeah. So Libsyn, it's $5 a month if you're only going to do a podcast maybe, um, I don't know, and have an hour's worth of content or something like that. But we need a lot more because we put yeah. out between three and four podcasts a month typically. And so we pay like $15, you get 250 megabytes. Um, and yeah, it's been really successful. It was Ben White from Unity Radio, yeah. or well, from the Hank Stoltz show, who had recommended that to me. Yeah, no, that's a good, that's good, and it's funny because that is one something I do take for granted because that is something that actually I were through the Telegram service, right? Oh, so okay. that is something that I can. We we sit here, we we pump out between just this show and what the sports department does. We're at least doing two a week. Right. So you need room. And I, that was something I was totally ignorant to. I was like, oh yeah, it just appears on iTunes. It does not. You have to register (laughs) your podcast with iTunes. And then Libsyn works through iTunes and Spotify and will push it out to those two services. Yeah. It's a running joke that I like never knew that we were being syndicated on, on Spotify and iTunes and all of these places where you can be, you might be listening to this right now. I don't know. But yeah, I, that took me by surprise when somebody was started telling me they were listening to us on Spotify. It's good data, too. Libsyn will also tell you, like, we have, I think, 12,000 direct downloads mm. that we've received, but you can't tell how much people are streaming your podcast, which is an interesting thing. I'm sure that they'll make this breakthrough in the next year or so, but you can't tell how many people have listened on Spotify or iTunes huh. through a streaming service. That's interesting. Now, I, I don't have that permission because it was yeah. the decision was made above me, but yeah, that's actually kind of interesting. I would mm-hmm. like to know that information, I would think. My favorite piece of advice in this thing, you've got a couple questions, a couple, you've got all good advice in here, but this is my favorite. <laughs> turn off the fridge. Yes. Don't forget to turn it back on. Though. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but, food will go bad unless. Yes. <laughs> they, the microphones are powerful. Even the little Yeti ones, they pick up on everything. And so if the air conditioning is on or the heat is on or the fridge is on and you're in somebody's home, you can hear it. And we've gone out to a lot of people on site, especially breweries. They're so loud. Oh, yeah. So at first I was not bold enough to say to people, listen, this is beautiful for photographs, but we need to move somewhere quieter. Now I'll tell them right up front you know okay guard your ears for one second here because i'm gonna do something early listeners to this show heard this sound all the time (laughs) that ringing echo through (laughs) through that that is because we kept hitting the dang desk (laughs) 
<laughs> and it took so much training to not hit the dang desk for all of us. Especially you get some people in here, you know, you know, somebody who like, you know, Bill Shaner's usually kind of laid back and he's fine. <laughs> and, you know, Richard Duckett is very genteel, so he he's fine. But you get Craig Seaman in here and he talk, he's a, talks with his hands and he gets all excited and he keeps hitting the desk every time. And I'm much, much the same. So, yeah, that is the best advice I yes. have ever seen on the Linda subject. Linda Cavioli was one of my favorite interviews. She's from the YWCA, but she's so impassioned. She kept doing the same thing, hitting the desk. And, you know, you look at this person that's a role model to you, and you want to be like, hey, stop that. <laughs> so that, I'm getting better at having those conversations. Yeah, yeah, it really, really is. It's 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 such a little thing. It's such a little thing. It's like, and I know, like, there are differences between how this program is done and how the sports program does theirs. So I will come in here and like, they will have the speaker on because they tape that way. And, you know, they push the microphones back and it's different. It's a different format. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, what is that ring on the tape? I can't understand. I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. That's how they do that. Oh, and lastly, yeah, well, and this goes right into your um, bit about conversation, and it, the best conversations are all about open-ended questions. Yes. And I tell my students that all the time. If you ask a simple question, a low-level question, it'll be a conversation killer. Yes or no questions do not lead to good interviews. Oh, yeah. Now, I mean, I mean this is a thing we, we deal with in journalism all the time. There are many people – there are some people in this community that I am reluctant to interview. <laughs> Even if I love and respect them, they are terrible, terrible interviews because they answer everything in yes and no's. Mm-hmm. And you got to really pull it out of them. Yeah. So the, in teaching, we say there are six levels of thinking. The simplest one is a remembering question. You ask someone to define something or you ask them yes or no. And we should all answer remembering questions identically. And the higher you get up to evaluate questions and creative questions, we could all have totally different answers and they can all be right. And yeah. those are the best questions. Definitely, definitely. And especially in this sort of environment, I've, you know, I always go into this thinking that this should be a conversation. This, mm-hmm. I'm not actually interviewing you at the moment. I'm talking to you at the moment. Right. Um, I'm also making terrible jokes at you at the moment, and thank you for your patience. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, this is, uh, this is kind of a lost art sometimes. And I, it's one of the things I actually kind of really love about podcasting, where it, it does feel more like a conversation than, say, most radio does. Totally. But it does – it sounds terrible if – Naturally, in conversation, there are moments where you talk over one another, yes. or I'm an active listener. I'll go, uh huh, yeah, uh huh. Uh huh, I do that too. <laughs> it doesn't end up sounding good on the audio because you're just all jumbled. And so I think it's made me a better listener. And my partner, Molly O'Connor, has said the same thing. It's made her a better listener where we realize only one person can talk at a time. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So tell us. Where and when can people, again, listen to Pop It? Yeah, you can find links to all of our back catalog and episode notes on www.popitworcester.com, but we're also available on iTunes and Spotify. Yep, and of course, if and you look at Sarah's lifestyle column in the digital version of WorcesterMag and Telegram.com today, uh, we did have a hot link to it. So Excellent. Thank to you so much. Make sure, but you know, we want people to listen to these things. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us in the studio. We'll be back in just a minute. For, but for now, this is Evil Felipe. <laughs> You have been listening to Take Me to Boston by Evil Felipe. You can see them this weekend at the Raven Music Hall as part of the 10 Can Band um, food drive or charity drive for the mustard seed. That's a pretty good cause there. Of course, yeah. And we'll be talking about good causes in a second. But now I am in the studio with Worcester Magazine reporter Bill Shaner. How are you doing, Bill? I'm doing great today, yeah. Uh, and I just got back last night from the Boston Music Awards. Oh, that must have been fun. Uh, okay, here's the, here's how we sum it up. And I love I love the Boston Music Awards in a in a weird sort of way. But um, so you know, somebody was introduced, and it's like Dorchester in the house. Everybody everybody cheers. Yeah, Cambridge in the house. Oh, everybody yeah. cheers. Worcester in the house, and I cheer, and I'm the only voice <laughs> in the room. You're like, yeah. Um, out of uh, the city of Worcester, you know, because you can qualify for the Boston Music Awards um, if you work, live and work in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the second year in a row, I was nominated for uh, Music Journalist of the Year. 
Congrats. Thank you. For the second year in a row, I was utterly defeated. Uh-huh. Um, no, that's fine. It went to uh, Victoria Waslick of Vanya Land. She's the music editor there. She, okay. is, she does an excellent, excellent job. Yeah, so that's I a, have that's a, no yeah. problem with that. Right. In Good fact, company. Yeah. And I was, pre- I, I, I predicted she would win. Right. I, I, I've been telling everybody. Well, if that's the company you keep, you're doing all right. Yeah, doing all right. It's like, it's me, it's Jed Gottlieb from Boston Herald, mm-hmm. and somebody from WBR, BUR's Artery, and, you know, you know, good people. You mm-hmm. know, I'm the only one who's not in the Boston area. Right, right. So that's fine. But yeah, so like, there's me. The Palladium was no- nominated for Best Venue. Interesting. Okay. Which was new. That's I've not seen that before. Right. Um, Joyner Lucas was nominated for Best Hip Hop Artist, okay. um, did not win. Hmm. Um, he's not as popular with that crowd as he is out here. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and, and I think there's all, there's kind of, I don't know. Who's the I, Dorchester guy? Cousin, Cousin, Cousin Stiz. Stiz. Cousin Stiz won Best Hip Hop and Best um, Artist of the Year. Oh, okay. Oh, good for him. So, yeah, um, second year in a row winning that, actually, which is highly, highly impressive. Um... But yeah, there's there's not much of Worcester in it. Last year there was a little bit more Worcester mm-hmm. in it. Um, acts that have played here won, uh, won or were nominated. Um, your a band you wrote about, House of Harm. Yeah, they won the six one seven sessions Artist of the Year, which is a uh, um, what they uh, what what happens is the Boston Music Awards has a as an organization has this sessions where they'll bring in newer artists for a day of recording yeah. and, and then helps them get out there. And six, they were one of the bands that oh, was great. working on it. So then good for them. The they're, you know, the, the um, voters get to decide which was the best out of those and house of harm won, and they put on a stellar show. Yeah, they are. They are a very, uh, a very good live band, yeah. I think. Uh, and a lot of people in Worcester think that they actually have a, a really good draw in Worcester for some reason. I was talking to them after yeah. uh, during the show. They like coming to Worcester. When I interviewed them, that's what they said. They like they have a good draw in Worcester. They like coming to Worcester. So it's yeah, I hear they have a show coming up. I don't know if it's confirmed yet, so I won't say okay. uh, won't won't say anything. But I haven't were, heard anything, but I don't know. But they were talking about one yeah. uh, about the one that seemed to be on the horizon for them. Yeah. So hopefully they'll be back soon. Um, other notable win wins. Um, Umpa, who has been out here, hip hop artist who's been out here a few times, who I've wrote about, written about a couple times. She won for best live act. Oh great. Um, there was I believe I can't even remember now. It's all such a, it becomes such a blur. Right. But um, other acts like Still Gold and Cliff Notes, um, they were nominated and did very well throughout. So. Um, still gold one song of the year in fact for the new normal part one which Mm -hmm. is a song i've written about myself so it's always nice when you go to see these acts um there was also a tribute to the cars nice um from um the band eddie japan who's been worcester a few times and i've written about many times Mm -hmm. um they were playing with greg hawks the original keyboardist for the guitar for the cars they've been they've been working together a lot since rick okasic died right um and he produced their last album, actually, the Golden Golden Age. That's a good tribute. Yeah, so it was it was a good um, it was a good trip, and it was a great show. They did a great job with it. So yeah, it was really exciting. Um, I would like 
to note that I have now twice been nominated for a Boston Music Award. I have never been nominated for a Worcester Music Award. I was going to ask, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think there's a category that fits. Yeah, right, right. I didn't even know there was a Worcester Music Award, to be honest. You I didn't know? Play oh. music in Worcester, so this shows what I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. I did not know that. Uh, it, um, it, it is actually. stupid now. It, it, no, no, no. It's, um, it is organized by The Pulse. Mm-hmm. Um, it is probably the best thing they do. I mean, I don't mean that as a diss on everything else they do. I think it is their, it is the thing they do that has taken on the biggest life. Right, right. Um, it's not perfect. It's, you know, there's two rounds of public voting. I could, it could probably deal with, like, a nominated committee like the Boston Music Awards that has. Yeah, because public voting is a social media contest. Yeah. So, like, how I mean, the Boston Music voting. Awards work is there's a nominated committee. It's, like, 400 people. I mean, it's a lot. Yeah, but they're right, all music right. professionals. Right, right. I I'm actually on in this, on that committee. And so this, you this, nominated yourself. I did. I did not actually. I nominated the person I nominated didn't make the short list. Oh, okay. Because that's how that that works. the way it goes. Yeah. So yeah, like almost nobody I nominated made the short list. Right. Um, but so that but those are all met from music professionals, and then it goes to public voting on the online. Okay. Gotcha. Um, there's a case to be made for that in Worcester. I'm not going to tell the Worcester Music Awards how to do their job. Um, Because they do a fine job as it is, Mm -hmm. and I think they do a great job of promoting and showcasing music in Worcester. But you know, that's it's a good, it's a pretty, it is a good method that's worth thinking about. Right. Anyways, we'll be talking more about music in Worcester in the weeks to come. We've got things coming up. But in this week's issue, we're our annual gift of giving. Now, right. we did it different. We didn't make it the cover story because Scrooge was kind of awesome, and we had yeah, to- <laughs> I know that's uh, such a such an interesting. Just a, a classic Worcester story. Like honestly, um, I'm so I'm so pumped on that story. But the gift of giving is something we do every year, and it's nice and it's important. It's important. It's uh, this is a big big time for a lot of organizations in Worcester that do a lot of great work throughout the year. It just happens to be that this is the time of the year when people are most likely to give money. Mm-hmm. So uh, and when they're people are putting on holiday parties and and the like for kids and for families of lesser means. Uh, so there's a lot of need right now for all sorts of donations, Christmas-themed and non. And I decided to talk to a couple local groups uh, to accompany this list uh, about you know some of the specific things they might need. Uh, I was very surprised to learn that Friendly House puts on like a 1,200-person Christmas party. Yeah. That sounds like a nightmare to organize and to get enough donations for and they are they they do amazing work up there and i really don't think i really don't think they can get enough compliments on what they do no and the fact that they they try to get uh a toy into the hands of every child that comes when you're talking numbers like 1200 families who knows how many kids you know that's that's an admirable goal. And they sort of just, what they do is they just open up a couple of rooms mm-hmm. and the rooms are arranged by, um, uh, age group for the toys. So like little kids, toddlers, and then, you know, like older kids. Uh, and then they just, it's kind of like a free for all. Uh, but and I mean, I, that must be like the, the, one of the best times of the year for, for some of those kids. So, uh, that's a very worthy cause. Uh, and that's sort of one of the more standard things that I talked about. Uh, but there's other, groups in Worcester that are looking for things that are not so standard, like the Animal Rescue League is the victim, I guess you could say, of a particularly intense and late cat mating season 
Mm. So they're just like a wash with they've more kittens than they know what to do with. But just because that's how it shook out this year, I uh, we were I was talking with uh, someone from the rescue league and just sort of scratching our heads like why, why are there so many kittens? And you know, not no great answers, but they are in desperate need of uh, of um, like uh, synthetic kitten milk. Ooh. You know, like it's like kitten formula uh, to to feed kittens who don't have cat mothers. Very sad. Man, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's and that's not the thing you would intuitively think of, right? Right. But there are a lot of lonely kittens right now, and the at the Animal Rescue League, they're over overstuffed with lonely kittens. And I really do cannot recommend. I used to one of my first news beats right. when I was a reporter was uh, covering animal shelters, mm-hmm. which in Orange County, California, where I'm from, is a highly politicized <laughs> issue, especially back then. Interesting. Oh, the county shelter was. A war zone. Um, the conditions were uh, were terrible, oh, and I get it. there was okay. massive, you know. Right. Plus, then there was this fight between city and private shelters, and uh, and, okay. and yeah, there was a bunch of shelters in this network. So, one of the things that always struck. So, I'm always an advocate of of whenever possible adopting an animal. Mm-hmm. I, I I did my current. Two current ferrets were store bought. I'll admit yeah. that because we had been medicating senior ferrets for so long, we wanted kits for a while. Right, right. But um, I admit, so yeah, I'm not perfect on this. But um, I'm definitely an advocate for for adopting from shelters if you can, mm-hmm. because that's where the need is the most. Right, right. I, but weird things you've seen at, see at shelters um, in Irvine, California. They have a private shelter there, and it's a no kill shelter. It's mm-hmm. very nice. Right. I mean, it's 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 lovely. Yeah. Right. And their problem at the time when I was covering them was it was just a, a month or so past Easter, mm-hmm. and they had were overflowing with bunnies. Oh wow! Because Picking bunnies. Everybody thought it was a cute idea to buy their kid a rabbit for Easter. Oh. And then, like, and then the rabbit probably bit the kid, it, or just was made a mess. Yeah, you know, right. was like, you, oh, know, you know what? Never rabbits mind. smart, smart rabbits are surly. Yeah, yeah, they are surly. They do not like people. Dumb no. rabbits like yeah, dumb people. Rabbits are just like oh well, whatever. You know. But they're dumb. Yeah, right, <laughs> you know? right. So yeah, so this everybody at least took them to the no kill shelter, but the no kill shelter was overflowing with bunnies. And oh wow! I mean, yeah, it's like. If you, anybody ever have a chance to really like take a hard look at shelters and you know the work that the, most of them are very well run, most of them you know, and organizations like Worcester Animal Rescue League are amazing. They mm-hmm. do great work. Yeah, they do yeoman's work in in the, in the Worcester area. Yeah, and I think it's always worth supporting those when organizations whenever we can. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's like it, it's not easy work. Right. <laughs> right. And it could be. I mean, I used to do a walk around of the Orange County. Orange County shelter, the central shelter, and mm-hmm. I would do my morning. I would go first thing in the morning, I like on a Friday, do a walk around, and then I would go across the street to Krispy Kreme Donuts, get a donut and a cup of coffee, and then sob for like oh. fifteen minutes straight. Jeez. It was it was hard, hard. Yeah. I mean, that was like emotional yeoman's work covering <laughs> animal shelters. Right, right. 
Oh, I don't. I yeah. I I don't. I could. I could go without that. Getting the the cute animal, the cute side animal sads. Oh, uh, it's bad. Are, are the worst. They're the, absolutely the worst. It was absolutely bad. Yeah, but we have. A, there's a lot of organizations around here that are doing good work. Mm-hmm. Um, many of them, their particular needs are in there. Some of them, some of them just want money. Yeah. <laughs> some of them, AIDS Project Worcester right now is in the midst of a move. We'll probably be talking about that a little bit later. But right, right. But um. You know they they don't have a place to put things. They, yeah, right. They, they need green hold, cold hard cash, and they do good work, so that's worth it. There. Um, so yeah, there's a list that we've um, got from the United Way, which is in this issue. It's also online at Telegram.com and WisterMag.com, mm-hmm. um, with a number of organizations and kind of a rundown of what they want and what they need. Which is great. I mean, it's just like if you are looking to give this holiday season, which, you know, I'm not going to get all NPR on you and tell you you should. But if you we are looking to give. We have no tote give, bags for you. Yeah. If you're looking to give, we have a probably the most comprehensive list in our issue this week of where to do that. So yeah. pick it up. And uh, if you are reading it online, just refresh the page and click it a lot. We <laughs> yes. love clicks. We love clicks a yeah. lot. <laughs> We get talked to a lot about clicks. Actually, I haven't been talked to as much. So whenever, whenever they're not talking to me about clicks, that means we're doing it okay. Yeah, or they have much bigger fish to fry than clicks. Yeah, which is yeah. yeah. No, no. They they let's, they, they let's go with talk. your interpretation. Well, on they that one. usually usually when I'm not hearing from people, that's usually a sign that everything's working fine. Because when it's not working fine, I hear about it. Right. Right. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's good. It's good. But. Anyways, another great issue of Worcester Magazine. Um, great job with the with the rundown of charities on that. You got it. And if you want to read about Jeremy Lawrence's last performance as Scrooge at the Hanover Theater, you know, I, it's a story that's worth well worth reading. It's not. It's not the same story that you normally get on these things. It's not the pro forma. No, no. When you see it, you'll you'll know. It's a real. It's a really deep, deep look into what this role means to this guy, and it's good. It's really good. All right, I think that about wraps us up. You have been listening to Worcester Culture Watch on Telegram.com and WorcesterMag.com and Unity Radio 97.9 FM in Worcester and small parts of Shrewsbury, as we established earlier in the program. Um, as always, our music was composed by DJ Manipulator. If you don't hear from you beforehand, have a happy holiday and we'll talk. We'll be back soon.